Listening Dog Media. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Offside Rule, we get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen, and Kate Borsay. Hello, it's that time of the week again. Time for the Offside Rule podcast. I'm joined once more by Hayley McQueen. Hi, guys. And Kate Borsay. Hello. It's episode 10, by the way, girls. So we're up to double figures. By the way, if people don't know who I am, I'm Lindsay Hooper. I didn't even say who I was either. Um, We're up to double figures. Episode 10. Uh, They seem to just be rolling through, don't they? Week in, week out. The days roll by. I can't believe we're already partway through this. It'll be Christmas before we know it. My favourite time of the year. And that's when it gets super busy. Um, So these are the topics for this week. This is what we're going to be discussing. Um, Bizarre football jobs and appointments. This comes off the back of Cardiff, who replaced their head of recruitment, Ian Moody, last week with an unknown 23-year-old. But I want you to think of other footballing appointments, things that you just wouldn't expect. And as our final topic, which is always slightly more fun, um, I double dare you is the topic. Now, I love a dare. Do you like dares, girls? Truth, I don't. I'd rather the truths. I like the gossip and all the stories, yeah. How about you, Miss Bosset? I imagine that you could do a dancing dare or two. Oh, I don't know about a dancing dare. I do like dares, but then I don't like dares. They are a double-edged sword, aren't they, dares? Because they are great to give out, but I'm one of those people that loves to give it out. I can't take it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we are going to double dare a few footballing people. So you've got free reign to choose whoever you want. It could be a football player, a manager, someone within a club, someone well-known that we would know about, and to challenge them to do something. Uh, You can infer this topic as much as you want, whether you want to take dares quite literally as to be the truth or dare sort, Hayley, or you might want to go down a football route and to bring up some things from the past. That could, I'm trying to gauge what I think you've done and you're not giving anything away. Um, we'll also go on to Twitter topic of the week this week, which Faker Others will have for us. Um, we're asking about whether you've been to see any non-league footy, because when it's an international break, it's good to go and support your local side, isn't it? Um, and Lord James will be here with her roundup of everything that's been happening in France in Ligue 1. So Ligue 1. <laughs> Très bon. Très bon. So let's start with topic number one and mind the minnows. Um, so 
everyone loves an underdog. We love underdogs, don't we, us British? Uh, so with the recent World Cup qualifiers and the FA Cup third round qualifying matches happening in the past week, it's given us an opportunity to see some smaller clubs and countries who are punching above their weight. We can get behind them. We can call and rally people together right now. So choose a World Cup qualifying minnow to support on the road to Brazil. Explain why we must point out as well that we're recording this on Tuesday so we don't know the full extent to who's gone through yet. Hopefully England will go through tonight against Poland. I'm going to be there. Um, however, we won't know the actual outcome, so just bear that in mind when we're talking. And also um, a FA Cup team to support as well. I'm going to start with Hayley this time. Well, seeing as how I've been back up home in the northeast over this weekend, having a nice time chilling out with the family, I thought I'd go for a team from the northeast, from Redcar in Cleveland. It is Mask. And I tell you why I've gone for mask, not mask like on your face. And I'm not saying mask really poshly because we all know I'm not posh. It is mask. M-A-R-S-K-E. There you have it. Because they're unbeaten in 17 games. And according to their manager, Ted Watts, it is because we've got no big time Charlies at mask. <laughs> yep. It is all down to the non-ego nature of his squad. They came from behind twice to beat Hales Owen Town. It's actually the first time ever they've reached the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup for the first time in their history. I like the sound of a couple of the names, actually, that didn't quite get through. One of them that did, Concord Rangers. I I love them as well. I love them as well. Also known as the Beach Boys. Oh. (laughs) Well, I'd pick Mask with a seaside as they could be sort of the Beach Boys arch nemesis. Yeah. And there's a South Park as well. I just think of the cartoon when I think of the little characters coming out. So there you go. So I'm going for Mask. Um, 807 people actually turned up to witness their game, which was against uh, Hales Owen. So that was uh, fantastic. It was a stoppage time winner as well well. Oh, shame for Hales Owen. That's only around the corner from where I'm from. There you go. It's head to head, me and you, Lynn. Yeah, there we are. I'll take it. We've beaten you. Uh, say we mask. It's something new to me, but I thought I'd go for real minnow minnows there. As for my World Cup team, well, they've got 100% performance in the group stage qualifiers. They've emerged victorious in all of their matches. They're about to play Ghana, however. This is going to be a big one. And I'm going for Egypt. And I like the story behind Egypt. Maybe you're saying they're not a minnow as such. I know they're not. They have done well in previous tournaments, loving the Africa Cup of Nations, of course. However, I think when it comes to World Cup, you tend to forget about teams like Egypt. You could name 15, 20 teams that would be qualifying for the World Cup. And I think maybe you would forget about them. There's lots of problems, obviously, in Egypt at the moment. However, no problems for their coach, Bob Bradley, who's American. He's only ever coached in America and he could have just left Egypt when they were going through lots of conflict and uh, and issues. But no, he's decided to stick with them. Now, Ghana, they've won five out of six, but they've scored more goals than any other African team throughout the stage. I was once on a train journey on my way up north and I remember it was, I think it was the Africa Cup of Nations when Egypt were playing and there were literally carriages full of fans these Egyptians, I don't know where they'd come from, but they were heading back up north to go and visit family members or whatever. There's about 15 of them, all in the different little tables, all on the internet, watching a delayed, crackly kind of streaming of their Egypt side. Yes, so the US State Department actually advised 
all Americans living in Egypt to depart. That was just back in August. But Bob Bradley, he took over from the side actually in, in 2011, ignored that advice and said he had such a great relationship that he developed with the players. He felt like he was with brothers and there was absolutely no way he was leaving them. He just wouldn't abandon these players. So if Egypt get to Brazil, I think it would be a huge thing for the country and a huge lift and maybe hopefully bring everyone together again, wouldn't it? But uh, Bob Bradley takes his side to take on Ghana this week. So I'll be hoping for an Egypt win after a really great qualifying campaign. This is a nation that's won three successive Africa Cup of Nations between 2006 and 2010. So as far as that's concerned, they are a huge team. So apologies if you're Egyptian and listening and thinking we're not a minnow, but... I'm bidding you for World Cup success. I know that we've got dares coming up for topic three, but I think there should be something here for us, like Egyptian fancy dress if they get to the semi-finals or something. I'd love to see Hayley McQueen wearing some golden little skirt. How about whoever's team gets the furthest in the competition, we have to wear the national costume of that team to one of their games. And we'll have photographs for the pod listeners to see on the website as well. Are you up for that, Hayley? <laughs> Definitely. And actually, you Americans out there, apparently loads of you are actually cheering on Egypt because you love Bob Bradley so much that you're actually hoping yeah, that they not? do well in it. USA have already qualified, of course. Mm. Kate, your turn. Well, just to let you know, in the odds, I've just picked a generic bookmaker. In the outright betting, um, Egypt classed as minnows at 400 to 1. So they may have done it in the Africa Cup of Nations, but yet to prove themselves on on the world stage, I'd say, Hayley. I'm going to go with um, a team who's uh, favoured more in the odds, but they're still at 100 to 1. And of course, the odds not showing us much at this stage, but they do give us a very sketchy view of where, um, where the, where the favourites are, really, in terms of the top kind of 5 or 10. Um, I'm going to go for Switzerland, 100 to 1. They've had an amazing qualifying campaign. They are unbeaten and sit top of Group E under their German coach Otmar Hitzfeld. If they win tonight against Slovenia, they'll probably be seeded for uh, the finals draw, which will be excellent for them. If you factor in their friendly games and victories over Brazil and Germany in the last 18 months, this is a team that is really going somewhere. So their case really strengthened further. Um, What really picks them out for me and what really makes them stand out for me is their percentage of youth players. Now, I'm reminded of Germany here because in that Switzerland team um, six if we take the the game against Albania which was on Friday night six of those players were 21 or under now this really reminds me of what's uh, what's been happening in Germany Um, in terms of players Zerdan Shakiri obviously plays for Bayern Munich a big shining light for them and we saw him feature against England those few years ago as well and you know traditionally uh, Switzerland um, have been a bit of a bogey team for us as well they've also got uh, Wolfsburg left back Ricardo Rodriguez as well he's only 21 Um, he's played every unbeaten minute Uh, likewise centre back Stolz Steve von Bergen, he plays for young boys. So they are my tip. They won the Under-17 World Cup in 2009, beating Nigeria 1-0 in the final. And I think we're really starting to see the product of that investment in youth for Switzerland. Now I'm going to go on to my FA Cup fourth qualifying round tip. I've gone for a bit of a local derby this year. We started off with 737 teams in this draw. But I'm going to go for a tie which is very tasty if you're a man of Kent or a Kentish man. However, whichever way round it applies to you. Um, Ebbs Fleet United versus Dartford. There's about six miles between these two teams. It's a proper local Kentish derby, folks. And I predict Ebbsfleet to go marching on. Come on, you Kent, whichever way it goes.
Well, I will start with my World Cup qualifying pick and I've gone for a minnow side that are from South America. I've gone for a South American team seeming as the World Cup is in Brazil and I've opted for Colombia and they're doing very well under a new coaching system by Jose Peckerman. Um, the Argentine coach has changed things slightly in the order. He plays this three-man defence quite a lot. So he plays 3-4-1-2. Uh, it's a style that I quite like and I like quite like watching Colombia through it. Um, in terms of defenders, we've got some, some names, of course, that we'll all recognise uh, Mario Yepes and Christian Zapata. Um, Yepes turns 38, believe it or not, before the World Cup. But I still think he will be one of their shining stars. Um, OK, he's going to have vast experience, but his valuable tackles are going to be crucial for Colombia. So although he'll be 38 and proper veteran of the World Cup, I think he's still one to watch out for. And Zapata, who partners Yepes um, in quite a few games at the back, they're absolutely fantastic together. And if you want to see two defenders who've got just great synchronicity, just watch these two. They're, they're really great. In midfield, you've got Cuadrado, and um, he's obviously one of the major causes for Fiorentina to finish in fourth spot. Um, and they were unlucky to miss out on Champions League qualification last year. So his pace is a crucial factor for them. And Zaniga in midfield as well um, had a fantastic last year. Um, he was also um, carrying his form on to the new season. So I think he'll be someone that hits that rich vein of form as we come to next summer. And in terms of attack, uh, Freddie Guarin is undoubtedly one of the best attacking midfielders that you'll lay eyes on. I know that um, in Syria and you'll see in Champions League, Hayley, you'll probably spotted him. Very well known for creating good chances. Um, and since his move from Porto to Inter 20 months ago, He's really excelled and come into his own. We've, of course, got to mention Falcao. Uh, we know what his strength and ability to shoot the ball towards goal is. You know, he'll get some goals, of, of course, at the World Cup. And he's just 27. So I think picking him out as somebody to watch means that they will be the sort of team that will enter the quarter or semi-finals. I'm going to go for Colombia. And then for the FA Cup, I've chosen Colwyn Bay. <laughs> And they face Corby Town in the fourth round. And they're managed by former Chelsea player Frank Sinclair. I love Frank Sinclair. Um, he's just such a character. But I think he, he's also had his wife giving out cups of tea and everyone's getting behind the side. Um, they beat Osset Albion 2-1 in the third round. Um, I don't know how much further they can go, but I'd love them to get through the next round and make it to the, the FA Cup qualifying first round proper. Um, and that would be a great coup, coup for the club. They'll get lots of cash back, which is what all these teams want. So that's my minnow side from the FA Cup. The female take on football. Uh, we'll move on to topic number two, bizarre football jobs and appointments. We have to mention this that happened. So Carl Cardiff, um, they get rid of their head of recruitment, Ian Moody, who was responsible for a lot of the summer signings. They take on a 23-year-old work experience who's unknown but happens to be friends um, of Vince, with Vincent Tan's son, who's the new Cardiff owner, of course. Yeah. What nepotism, I think we call it, don't we? Um, I don't know what we made of that appointment. You can give me your thoughts if you like, but I'd like to take that as inspiration to think of footballing appointments or jobs, bizarre jobs in football, um, that you don't often think you're going to read about. Let's start this time with Kate. It was a bizarre appointment. And wasn't he from Kazakhstan or something? Yes. This young lad, he'd just, just been on work experience, sort of perhaps painting lines mm. on the pitch, doing a bit of mowing maybe. I know it was like from painter 
to head of recruitment. It was just such a big headline, kind of missing out the in-between. I think he went to a Swiss finishing school with yes. Vincent Tan's son. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> bizarre. Um, bizarre appointments. And I'm sure that, we, we'll, that we'll probably double up on a few of these. So feel free to chip in at any point, girls. Um, I thought it was bizarre in 2005 when Sir Clive Woodward, known, of course, for his rugby acumen, suddenly turns up at Southampton as yeah. their uh, technical director. I think was his title. Harry Redknapp was infuriated by this at the, at the time and said that he better not come anywhere near his team selection or um, anything else really that was going to mean that he'd interfere with what Harry Redknapp was uh, doing. In the end, Woodward left kind of around about a year or so later, but that was just bizarre really. And I think he was hired, wasn't he, for his for his mental uh, strengths within the game in in sort of ter- terms of turning the England rugby team into winners mentally as well as what they can do on the pitch. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was uh, quickly uh, seen out the door there at Southampton. Um, Claude Anelka, Nicholas Anelka's brother, amateur DJ. Uh, he used to play at a few of the London clubs. However, he also used to look after his brother's interests as well. But in 2004, he said he was tired of seeing football managers do crazy things and offered up £300,000 to take any lower league club who would let him be their manager. Uh, and did, anyone, did anyone take him up on this? 300 grand lower league club, of course they did. In stepped Wraith Rovers, Scottish <laughs> Division One at the time, they were. Um, uh, yeah, he signed um, a load of Parisian seven aside players or something. Sounds signed some very questionable, perhaps they were all on his books as well. I, I, yeah, I, I, I have no idea. Um, uh, yeah, took just one point from 24, uh, not a great success, uh, and did one of his own self styled crazy things. They weren't like 1 to 11 and Elka, were they? Like his second cousin, part removed. (laughs) I don't know. As yet, unconfirmed. Um, Argentinian great Ramon Diaz. He played with Maradona uh, for the Argentina national team. Actually enjoyed a lot of success managing River Plate. Took them to quite a few league titles before stepping out of the Brazilian game for a couple of years and turning up at Oxford United. They're my adopted team. So, of course, um, I remember when all this happened and it was bizarre and it is bizarre. Um, He basically just fancied testing himself in English football. But we're talking an Argentinian great here, (laughs) stepping up at a League Two side. Um, He spent the season there, um, saw them to a mid-table finish, then decided he didn't like the English climate and promptly went back home. But that was pretty bizarre. Did he put in any inappropriate tackles to stop someone scoring i.e. Edgar David style. <laughs> Very similar. Quite similar to Anelka. There was a man who was a chairman who wanted to be a manager. So what did he do? Mm. Buy a club so he could manage it. That's right. Run nodes from Brentford chairman to Brentford manager. He did actually at one point own Crystal Palace. He sold the club in 1998. And instead of going on and maybe buying a Manchester City or a West Brom or something like that. No, he decided that if he was really going to make himself manager, he had to do it lower down in the leagues. He'd previously owned clubs, um, obviously Crystal Palace and Wimbledon as well. So he knew what it was like to own a lower league club. So he decided to instate himself as manager for the 98-99 season. Football couldn't believe it. But he said, no, I'm going to do it. He actually won Manager of the Month award for August (laughs) in his first month in charge. He actually gave up the ownership of the club in 2000 and with it his managerial status as well. But he just wanted to dip his toe and thought, Mm. I've got the money. Why not buy myself the job? 
And if you're going to buy yourself a club and you want to go lower league, go for lovely leafy West London and Brentford. <laughs> Why not? Um, OK, I've gone for just one story and I've taken the appointment side of things. And this was quite recently in the press. It was in the Daily Mirror. Um, and it was a fan in Australia who put a footballing appointment call to arms on Gumtree. <clears throat> it was only a few days ago. So an Arsenal fan is offering $150 to someone, I think it's per week, just to impersonate him on Facebook. Um, he's a fan who's who's not got much time on his hands anymore. He's a very busy man. He earns a lot of money. And he um, wants to give an incredible opportunity, quote unquote, in one of the strangest job adverts ever to be posted on the internet. He's in Australia. He's hanging up his banter boots and wants to pay somebody to impersonate him on social media. Uh, the fan claims that trolling um, columnist John Cross at the Mirror uh, would be a requirement of the job. He'd pay $150, it was per game actually, not per week, for a fan to log in and into his Facebook account while Arsenal are playing and post comments on Arsenal fan groups. Wow. Call to arms, any Gunners fans, $150 a game, and all you have to do is tweet. We don't pay any of ours. It makes me feel bad. <laughs> OK, a couple of random ones of football people who have funny jobs away from football or... Not funny jobs, but great jobs, but just jobs you wouldn't expect. Neil Warnock, a trained tropodist. Yep. Mm. Actually trained in the art of healing pain slightly lower down in the body and is a qualified tropodist. Very intelligent man. Uh, Oh, he deals with feet. That might be useful for me later. Okay. Leighton James, lollipop man. Not Leighton Baines. (laughs) This is... uh, (laughs) This is Leighton James. He spent much of the 1970s telling kids to stop, look and listen. That's right. He's taken on a more hands-on approach to children's safety in 2007 and won Rookie Lollipop Man of the Year award for his work in Swansea. That's a very cute story. Um, Alan Comfort, this was an ex-Middlesbrough player. I remember, I've interviewed him a few times, former late Orient player as well. He was forced to retire at the age of just 25 and wanted to take up a new trade. So... He decided to become an Anglican vicar. He was chaplain at Orient as well for many years after that. There you have it. I thought you were going to say set up a laundrette with a surname like that. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely comfort. And Ray Wilson was an undertaker. He won the World Cup with England and he went on to be an undertaker in his hometown of Huddersfield. Ooh. Hi, I'm Phil Thompson and you're listening to The Offside Rule. So a verbal reminder of something that you just flagged up there. Neil Warnock, Shropodist, deals with feet. I'm coming back to that in a second. OK, um, let's go to Faker Others for an update of Twitter Topic of the Week for this week and then some news to give you afterwards. Twitter Topic of the Week. Now, this week's Twitter Topic of the Week was one after my own heart and it's after Stephen Reid tweeted, bit of non-league footy today, hashtag Corinthian casuals. So we wanted to know, during the international breaks, where do you head for your football fix? It's obvious to me, I'm afraid. You go to the Skrill Premier, Skrill South, Skrill North, you get yourself a little bit of non-league football action. But we wanted to ask the question anyway. And at Hannah Maye tweeted us at Offside Rule Pod. She said, cheered on the Ivory Coast against Senegal to get my Didier Drogba fix. No Clash of Colours tweeted us and said, we were at North Ferriby United against Runcorn Lynettes. Damien Allmark said, refereed a match this weekend. Two reds, four yellows, all for the same team, who still got beat 4 nil. Interesting. 
The lovely Jonathan Beals, fellow uh, football reporter, said he went to Dagenham and Cheltenham for soccer Saturday. And Six Music Chris, Chris Horrocks, uh, said, I went to Stevenage and saw my bees lose 2-1 and also recorded myself singing Can You Feel the Love Tonight with players' names. Uh, go on to Twitter. I'm sure we've retweeted that for you to have a listen to. Anyway, I'll be back next week with another Twitter Topic of the Week. Twitter Topic of the Week. Thank you very much, Faye. Uh, great to get. Did you see any non-league football? Um, this weekend? No, my brother went to watch Whitby Town, I think. Oh, Whitby? Yeah, and he said the headlines around the town, he took a photo of it, I will put it up on our Twitter, it's very funny. And the headline, the main headline in the Whitby paper, the Whitby Chronicle or whatever it was, was New Pies (laughs) Released. I think it might have been, I think it might have actually been a competition on finding the best pie in Whitby. Not just famed for fish and chips, but apparently pies as well. So it was a big announcement that day on the, you know, the essential overall greatest pie of Whitby for 2013. I shall look into that for you and post it. Rather amusing. Sorry there's no football chat, but pies are important in football. (laughs) And we do urge you as well to go and support your local teams when it is the next international break. There'll be the World Cup playoffs for the qualifiers in November. So that weekend, 16th, 17th of November, go and support your local side. Um, On the theme of Twitter Topic of the Week, this isn't to do with our Twitter Topic of the Week for next week, but it is a competition that we're running and we're doing a QA and a on our on our Offside Rule pod account. So if you go to at Offside Rule pod on Twitter, you can post a question for Rachel Yankee ahead of the next women's qualifier, which is going to be against Wales. And that's taking place at the Den, um, Millwall's ground. So we've got 10 pairs of tickets to give away, courtesy of Vauxhall. Uh, all we need is your favourite or best question to put to Rachel Yankee and she'll be answering those next week. We've had quite a few in already and that's been running on the, on the website, hasn't it, as well? It certainly has. I'd like to know because she's obviously had a hugely long career. She's now outcapped Peter Shilton, hasn't she, for the most England caps or, or the most caps awarded to any England player. I'd just like to know what her secret is. She just seems to have, um, you know, very strong fibreglass bones, maybe? I, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, she had a few niggles this season, but the first time that she's had any real injury problems, and we had her on the podcast, and we were asking her, you know, last year, weren't we, about how she does it, but um, I'm sure there's going to be some great questions for her, and we'll have all of those, and we'll have our winners announced on the podcast next week. Uh, remember to keep across our website for any future competitions, offsiderulepodcast.com at offsiderulepod uh, on Twitter, and we have a Facebook page as well. Hi, I'm Paul Merson, and you're listening to the Offside Rule podcast. Next up, let's talk our third and final topic, and it is dares. I double dare you. Uh, We can give a double dare to any player, any three dares that you want to issue out, but choose very carefully. I want you to think of some football people that you can pose them to, and you can pose anything. You can think like party dares, or you can think something a little bit more serious. Um, Who would like to go first? My dare... I have just the one. I did think of some funny ones, but there's just one thing I wish for in football. For Roy Keane and Sir Alex Ferguson to come up against each other. Roy Keane obviously comes out and he's very opinionated. We love seeing it on television, whether he'd actually come out and say the things that he really thinks about people to their faces and then let them respond. I would like to see the tete-for-tete between him and Sir Alex after he was um, departed from... Um, Manchester United in 2005 just a few years later in a big interview that he did didn't he he said he doesn't think uh, Sir Alex Ferguson does things for the greater good of the club that he's selfish and he does it for himself I can't remember what the direct quote was but he said I think he does what is right for him so so you're going to dare Roy Keane 
to say what he thinks <laughs> to Sir Alex Ferguson's face. You want the sky to film. I want you to ask the, the and issue the dare. I'll be the referee in the oh middle then. I will, I will issue the dare just to see how Fergie comes back from that. I'd just quite like to see it and whether they actually, in the end, come up with reasoning and mm. Sir Alex sits down and talks him through the decisions that he made that Roy obviously doesn't agree with and just see what the outcome is, see if they shake hands and leave it at that. Well, before everyone forgets that we said Neil Warnock was a chiropodist, which I've said about five million times, and I just remind <laughs> you so that it can keep in keeping with one of mine. Are either of you ticklish? Ticklish feet, yeah, but not really ticklish. We're hard, we're strong. I think Kate Borsay oh, is. I'm really badly ticklish, oh. yeah, really badly. It isn't something that I like to reveal, but I am horribly ticklish. Well, I'm wondering if we can think of perhaps a colossus of a football man. And I'm thinking Romelu Lukaku at the moment, mm. sort of a big giant of football, strong, very manly. Vidic. He's like oh, a star. Vidic. Yeah. There we are. Vidic or Lukaku. I want their teammates to try and find their ticklish spot. <laughs> I dare all Premier League clubs and Championship clubs to have a women's team because mm. so many yeah. don't. Manchester United being one oh, of them. I was just going to Moyes has spoken out recently and said he would like to see it. Mm. So hopefully that mm. might actually happen. There's big problems with Nottingham Forest as well heading into the weekend. They're not getting the funding from the men's team anymore. It was only £20,000. OK, it's still a lot of money to that particular team, but they're not supporting the women anymore. They're desperately trying to find funds to keep the team going. So why not all Premier League clubs? We dare you to support your women's team. Uh, what are your dares, Kate? Um, AVB and Jose Mourinho. I wish they'd just have a fight. Get it out, boys. Do you know what I mean? They, they, there's, there's clearly a lot of unspoken tension there and we know about the histrionics of it. So are you going to dare them with handbags? Um, no, I'm going to dare them naked actually <laughs> i'm going to dare them naked in in na- yeah naked wrestling in the middle of Stamford Bridge. What about neutral ter- territory? <laughs> what about Lindsay's house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can come round mine, they're welcome. Or several other women's houses. Yeah, so I'm going to dare AVB and Jose Mourinho to just have it out. Make up, boys, have it out. Have a bit of fisticuffs and make up, for goodness sake. Talking of women and women's football, I'm daring a woman and uh, daring the FA to get behind a woman involved in managing uh, within the male game. Balotelli. It's been far too long since we've mentioned him. I'm going to dare him to just kick off. Oh, don't dare him to do that. (laughs) Now, you know that Balotelli will take a dare, whatever you Mm, give him. mm. Um, Call to arms right now. If we say Mario Balotelli, I double dare you Mm. to, he will go and do Mm. it. So kick off. I think we need to be a little bit more... So should we dare him then to just behave? Because yet again, a few days ago, he was embroiled in a certain amount of controversy over in Italy when he appeared to push a camera person during a bit of a media scrum. Yet to be known whether it was on purpose or not, whether, whether, it, whether it was an accident, but he's in all sorts of hot water again over there. I dare him because you always have a celebrity illuminations person. But the one, <laughs> the one thing we want at New Year is a really good fireworks display down by Waterloo. And I would love him to be the celebrity fireworks starter. <laughs> He's a fire starter. Finally, Rio Ferdinand, well known for putting the tunes on before games and getting the lads there at Manchester United into the right frame of mind. I dare him, just for a laugh, put on some Julio Iglesias and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Some old crooners. Uh, I'd love to know who is a really good singer in each dressing room. Mm. Do you ever know that from Manchester United? Do you ever hear any rumours? 
really, I know who was in charge of the music. And I think there were always fights over different styles of music because people from other countries obviously didn't quite get the sort of gangster rap and all the hip hop. And they'd come over with what we would consider really naff music from, I don't know, somewhere in France. It's all la 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 la. And they would. Well, how did it go? La 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 la. Just like that. But it. But it but of those classical tunes or that Serbian rap that Nemanja Vidic brings over and they fight over that sort of music. See, I have this image in my head of Arsene Wenger playing a bit of Edith Piaf. I love that. Kate and her impressions. We have to have one per episode. Um, and that was your fill for this one. Well, let's. speaking of things French, let's go over to Lord James and find out what's been going on in Ligue 1. The female take on football. Hello, girls. Thanks very much. France faced a playoff for World Cup qualification, unfortunately. They nailed a 3-0 win over Finland, but needed Spain to lose to Georgia. Clearly, Le Bleu were asking for too much there, and even nine goals in their past two games were not enough for an automatic spot. They will hope to avoid Portugal and Sweden next, but be sure to check out an absolute screamer from Frank Ribery in the first half of Tuesday's game in the meantime. Sidney Govu, the man-mountain of a forward who is recovering from a broken knee, is determined to make his way back into football. The former Evian man was ruled out for six months after he was injured in March, but has signed an amateur contract with Old Club Lyon. The only proviso is he cannot play for the first team until 2014. Change looms at Paris Saint-Germain. Rumours that Paolo Maldini could take over as sporting director rumble on, but meanwhile, Leonardo's appeal against his 14-month ban, you'll remember he was the former director, is successful. All of this happening the day Indonesian businessman Eric Tohir buys 70% of the Paris club. On the back of Alan Pardew's interesting comments about how there are too many foreigners at Newcastle United, Montpellier owner Louis Nicolin has said Mapu Yango Mbia is welcome to return to the south of France if he wants to. And who wouldn't? Finally, Victor Valdez won't let the Monaco rumours drift too far, saying Ligue 1 appeals to me greatly and Monaco is a good option. Now that the goalkeeper is in his final year at Barcelona, let's see if he ends up in Ligue 1 next season. Thank you very much, Law. Well, that's about it for episode 10. Ten, ten, ten. <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening. I don't know what to say to that. Um, keep listening every week. We will do more impressions. Bye-bye. The Offside Rule We Get It is a podcast produced by Heather Davies and Lindsay Hooper. 